Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Build Your Network podcast, the only top-rated show committed to helping you grow your business, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Let's get into the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today is a midweek mashup episode. And for those of you who are new to the show, the midweek mashup is our opportunity to look back into our archives, find some amazing clips of some of the amazing guests we brought on the show, all talking about one specific topic. So today's topic is real estate, real estate investing specifically. And so we brought on three experts to talk about real estate investing. First of all is Dean Graziosi. Dean is a a multiple times bestselling author. He is partners with Tony Robbins on multiple businesses. They've done tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars together. And uh, Dean's a international speaker, but he made his money in real estate, just flipping houses, investing in real estate, doing wholesale deals and all that kind of stuff. And so he has a lot to say about real estate and he's extremely knowledgeable about the topic. Then we brought on a buddy of mine, Cody Sperber. Cody was one of the first people I started kind of following in the online space uh, because I was interested in real estate back in the day and saw a couple of videos with like Barbara Corcoran and Josh Altman and a couple of people like that. And I was like, oh, this guy seems serious and started following some of his stuff. And then lo and behold, a few years later, I find myself in a mastermind where he's one of the uh, one of the teachers, educators, and now been able to get to know him on a personal level. Just a really, really great guy, family guy. Him and his wife are awesome. And, uh, and he's one of the most knowledgeable people people that I know that that talks about finding deals, sourcing deals, coming up with creative financing on deals. And he does a ton of flips and wholesaling deals himself every single month, as well as has an educational company teaching people how to find and source their own deals, flip houses, and make money as a real estate investor. So whenever you see somebody that's making more money off of education than they are in their own real estate investing, beware. Okay. But Cody's not one of those guys. He makes a lot of money in education, don't get me wrong, but he also makes a lot of money doing real estate which is the thing that he actually enjoys doing. So pay attention to stuff like that. Cody's one of those guys that I would definitely recommend uh, paying attention to if you're trying to learn the game. Then lastly, we bring on Sam Newell. Sam is a personal friend of mine. He's actually a client of ours. Uh, we've worked with him multiple things and he is uh, somebody that has devoted his life now to multifamily real estate investing. And uh, he came from being a real estate agent, which he was already a seven-figure agent himself, which if you're you know in the, in the agent space, you know how difficult it is to go from making six figures to making seven figures, but he was, he was a seven figure real estate agent. And then through that, he found all these people that were doing these big multifamily deals and then started asking himself, man, well, why am I not just doing this instead of, you know, worrying about this commission on this property, I should be building up long-term wealth for me and my family. So he started syndicating multifamily deals. And now in their first year of operating, they've acquired over a hundred million dollars in assets under management in their syndication that he runs with a couple of partners. And uh, some of that money would be my money as well. Uh, he's somebody that I've recommended to personal friends. He's somebody that I've written checks to, to get money out of my bank account and working for me in multifamily real estate without having to learn everything myself. So uh, Sam's one of those guys that I definitely recommend following somebody that I trust in the space for sure. So uh, please, please, please enjoy this episode on real estate investing with Dean Graziosi, Cody Sperber, and Sam Newell. I'll just tell you, one of my first big real estate deals, I fixed a guy's car and I was so enthusiastic. He's like, man, you seem like you got more going on than just this. I said, yeah, I'm trying to break into real estate, done a couple deals. I got a big deal I'm working on, trying to put the money together right now. He's like, really? What's the deal? I told him the address. He came back two days later. I said, he said, what do you need? I said, I need 80 grand to put the down payment. He goes, if I give you the 80 grand, can I get half of the ownership? I'm like, done deal. Yeah. It was the biggest real estate deal of my life. Literally that deal, I didn't make a million, but I paid 180 grand, put some money into it, and I pulled out a million dollars out of that deal. That put me on the map 
changed my life forever. If I was in that collision shop and I was like, hey man, get your car fixed here, take your keys, got to go. Right. If I did that, do you think I would have gotten that opportunity? So I'm just telling you guys now is don't feel like you're stuck in a job. That's just part of your evolution. It's part of your growth. You're supposed to be where you are right now because you can't be anyplace else. So why not say life happens for us, not to us? That's mm -hmm. Tony Robbins line. That's not mine, but I love it. What if life happens for us, not to us? Everything that happened in your life up to this point was just research and development, getting you prepared for your next level of life. So yeah. you don't have to be 60 years old going, I can't believe I did that. No, you get to say, I'm here. Let's find a way to be enthusiastic about this job I don't like or this business I don't like. I'll be the best of my ability in something that sucks. So imagine when I actually implement myself into something I love, then you're unstoppable. Right. And But people right. don't get that. They're like, I'll be happy when. I'll be more confident when. No, it's never going to come. You can Happiness comes from the inside. You could be in the worst mood in the history of the world and one thing happens and immediately you spark into happiness. We create happiness. Right. We create right. joy. We create enthusiasm. We create confidence. So just get the tools to create that stuff now and start living your happy life before the checks get big. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that I think people underestimate the amount of work that it takes to get there. And then they don't put enough value on living their best life. Like they have an ideal picture of what their life looks like. Like, man, that'd be really cool. But I love what you said about like, hey, everything up to this point has just been research and development. Like your entire life, all your experiences, the money you lost, yeah. the relationships that have burned you, like all of these things is just research and development to now like allow you to be successful in this particular area that finally has presented itself to you. But so many people will give up too soon or sell out too soon and not stick in it until like, it's just ridiculous to me to think about like you go through a ton of pain, but then you never stick around to reap the reward, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You just like go through pain, go through pain, go through pain. You're like, screw it. It doesn't work. I'm done. And you go back to like selling out. And yeah, but, oh, and here's the thing. I'll give you a great one. A guy named David Kekage. He's a friend. My friend, Joe Polish is a good friend. And I've met him a few times. He's paralyzed from the neck down. He used to be a great athlete, runner, got in an accident. He's paralyzed from the neck down. And he's got, he calls them the Kekage credos. And this is a brilliant one. And you guys should write this down. Remember this. He said, living life the hard way is easy and living life the easy way is hard. Hmm. Here's the thing. Life's going to be hard no matter what. So let's just say this. If you want to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, that's hard. Alarm goes off at 5 is pretty bad. I get up at 4.55 every day. Alarm goes off. It's hard to get up at 5 a.m. It's hard to get out of bed, go down there and have a regiment to, I drink apple cider vinegar, some green powder, some MCT oil, and a full lemon. I shoot that every single morning. And I head off and go to the gym. That's hard. Getting to the gym and trying to, I want to get done before my kids get home. So I work out at the gym for an hour. I get back. I don't answer my phone or try not to look at my phone or text before then. Sometimes I do, but I try, and that's hard. And then I get home and then I'm, I'm like racing. But here's what I know. That's hard. But I'm 50 with young kids. I can run faster than I will forever. I'm healthy as not, I'm not on any medication. I'm not going to have diabetes. I'm not going to die of heart disease. I can run faster than any 25-year-old kid I know. I get to be healthy and happy and I'm going to be around to see my grandchildren when I'm a hundred years old. That's easy. So it's hard to get up at five, but I live an easier life. You know what's easier? If I let the alarm go until 7.55, five minutes before I had to get up, hit the snooze button three times, crawl out of bed and get a cup of coffee and smell and go, oh, I could feel better. Grab a freaking donut, be 40 pounds overweight. That's easier. But you know what? I'll leave my kids in 15 years from now. I'll have diabetes. I'll get sick. I'll get heart disease. That's way freaking harder than getting up at 5 a.m. And it's the same thing when it comes to business. You want to live an easier life? Work hard. Right now, is it hard to start your own company? Hell yes. Is it hard to beat the competition? 
Hell yes. Is it hard to fit the time in to learn from people who've already been there? Hell yes. Is it hard to read extra books and be mentored and, and pay for education? Yes. But is it easier in five years now when you own your own company, when you create your own hours, when you're living a life, when you're not worried about money, when you're in control of your time, money, effort, your family? Yes. If not, it's going to be hard anyway. Getting up and going to your job is hard. Getting up and working in a business that you don't like is hard. And it's going to be hard for the rest of your life. I'd rather it be hard up front. I'd rather hit yeah. the gym in the morning and feel like a freaking rock star at night. Yeah. Like it's hard and there's no end in sight. <laughs> you know, like your end in exactly. sight is your 65 year old retirement where you live more meagerly than you did when you were yeah, working exactly. because you took a pay cut to not work anymore. And then you probably will still have to work because most people underestimate how much money it actually takes to really retire. And yeah, no, the whole thing, the whole I mean, who system. Who the hell wants to retire? If you're an yeah. entrepreneur, do you really want to retire? Yeah. Like just focus. What, like, I mean, what does that even mean anyway? I mean, here's the thing. And I got this from Dan Sullivan. I always love to share where it came from because if it, if I didn't make it up, I don't want credit for it, but at least I'm smart enough to listen and repeat it. <laughs> but Dan Sullivan, he, he runs Strategic Coach and I'm a part of that group. He said, I'll never retire because he said, if I'm deaf and I'm looking for people to pick off, I'm going after retired people first. They're kind of like, they got nothing to do. They got no purpose to live. They're waiting for the freaking mail to come at three. They're waiting to eat dinner at 4.45 in the afternoon. They're watching CNBC or CNN or Fox News and they're complaining about the president, complaining about the economy. And oh, I can't believe technology shit. He goes, I'm death, man. I'm looking for the retired guy or girl. <laughs> they're easy to pick off. He's like the entrepreneur who's on fire, who's always inventing himself, always learning, always listening to books. Always, It's like, I can't touch that guy. He's on fire. Let me just go get the retired people. Yeah. I always remember that. It's like, man, get, I'm not- Get the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah, get the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. All right, cool. So let's go ahead and transition this conversation here, Dean. We got a few yeah. minutes here at the end to talk a little bit about networking. It's super funny because I wrote down three names that I wanted to ask you about at the end of the interview. And you have mentioned, I think, only three names in the course of this. No, you've, you've done four. But uh, of the four, three, the three of them are already people <laughs> you've mentioned, which is Tony Robbins, Joe Polish, and Dan Sullivan, which are the three yeah. people you dedicated Millionaire yeah. Success Habits to. I wanted just to, obviously, three really big names, really big people who have had a profound impact on your life. How have you gone about creating relationships with people of influence like them? And how do you suggest other people do that? Yeah, great question. Reciprocity. Reciprocity and don't keep score. Like mm -hmm. we're in a world where it's like, I'll do something for you, man, if you do something for me. I'll do your podcast, but how big's your list? What can you do for me? How many books can we push? Like if you put out in the world good intention, do for somebody first, expecting nothing in return. Maybe the person you do it for takes advantage of you and gives you nothing. And you don't get to network, you don't get to do business, but all of a sudden you're standing there and someone taps on your shoulder and a deal comes out of nowhere. And you're like, I wonder where that came from. It's because the law of the universe. Yeah. Reciprocity is giving, helping with expecting nothing in return, but it always comes back. I'll give you an example. Tony Robbins. Tony changed my life 15 years ago through books and tapes and audios with great impact on my life. About seven years ago, my buddy Joe Polish and Tony are friends. I'm, we're flying on a plane. I said, hey, man, I want to meet Tony. It's time. So he does a quick video, introduces us. Tony says, yeah, come on out. Let's meet. So I go to Chicago, have lunch with Tony. I go to UPW, is Unleash the Power Within. We rock the house. It was amazing. And I leave and I notice something with Tony's business. When you leave one of his events, I noticed that you weren't getting like follow-up emails. Like Tony gives you the freaking juice, man. You're all lit up. You want more of it. And I wasn't getting any emails. And that's a follow-up sequence. And mm -hmm. in a marketing world, it's like, I sell you a course. You come to one of my events. Man, I just want you to use it. I want you to stay motivated. I want to help change your life. Tony's whole mission on this earth is to change people's lives. So I had this idea. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. 
I took my team. I built a whole follow-up sequence. I, I wrote all the emails. I filmed videos as if I was Tony on what I would suggest to do. Tony gave it to his team. He lost his mind. I mean, we had hours and hours and hours in this. Then I sat, he brought his whole team. We sat around a conference table of 20 people. I shared all of them, the art of reciprocity and how to bond with your clients more. Tony got done. I'll put it this way. When he was done, he emailed me a picture of his black card, his Black American Express and said, dude, you made me millions with what you did. And I get to change more people's lives. Charge me whatever you want. Now, of course, hmm. I didn't charge him a dime, right. but I did. for, And I looked for nothing in return. You know why I wanted to do it? is because Tony changed my life seven years ago with the tapes and books that I bought. And I was just giving back to him. He gave so much to the world. He's given so much to so many people. It was my honor. It was my privilege. I wasn't looking for anything. I didn't ask him. I didn't take that money. I didn't take a deal. I never asked them to do anything for me. And since that day, Tony and I have been best friends. I talk to Tony every single week of my life. Anything we do, to, we meet wherever we can. He just called me and said, let's meet in Australia and play squash. And then we'll speak on one of his events. Like, I built that relationship. A lot of people want it, but I didn't go in just looking for something. Have we made millions of dollars together since then? Yes. I'll give you another one. Ariana Huffington, who started Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She started it in her 60s and sold it for 315 million bucks and still owns 50% of it. In her 60s, everybody told her she was insane. So Ariana Huffington, I wanted to pick her brain. Like, wouldn't you want to sit down and talk to Ariana Huffington? Of course. <laughs> so when her, when her book Thrive came out, now, I'm not saying if you don't have money, you can just do something. But when her book Thrive came out, I made sure I got connected with her and I bought $25,000 worth of her books to help her on the New York Times bestseller list. I bought it, never asked for anything. And one day she's like, oh my God, you're so sweet. How come you did that? I said, because you've done amazing things for the world. And I just thought I'd help out. She goes, what can I do? I said, how about an interview? I sat down and got an interview, got to ask her every question I wanted. And I can call Ariana anytime I want. She's helped me out on so many things. And the list goes on. I did the same thing for Richard Branson. I wanted to meet Richard Branson. He and Joe Polish, we went around to a bunch of entrepreneurs and raised a million dollars for Virgin Unite. And we ended up spending a week on Richard Branson's island with just him. I ended up, I got to sail around the island. Richard Branson is still in my phone to this day because I reached out and did something for his charity first. doesn't matter what level. It could be opening a door. It could be cleaning out someone's garage, as simple as that. Or it could be solving a problem for someone else, not looking for anything in return. And you know, you might do something for three people and they're jackasses. And they don't give you anything back. It's okay. The universe will reward you in ways that you could never imagine. So you want to network, know the art of reciprocity. My dad bought me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one time when we were in the Persian Gulf. And I, we were just going in circles. I, I started reading it. And I couldn't put it down because it was the first time in my life I ever heard about an, what the difference of assets and liabilities is. Mm, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, how come nobody's really talked to me about this concept before? Right. And uh, I knew that a, the richest guy in my hometown when I was growing up owned real estate because he had his name on the side of a building. And it says Polak Investments. And I would walk to school by that building every single day. And I knew, because I stopped in there one day, asked him what he did. Yeah. He's a real estate investor. So I knew that real estate created wealth. I just thought that's for rich people, something, something too difficult that I'll do at some point in my life. Right. But that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, really got me thinking like, okay, I wonder how I can actually start to get into the real estate business. But then I put it down, didn't think anything of it, got out of the military, finally enrolled in college now that the military is paying for it. Yeah. And one day while I was going to college, a friend of mine named Jeremy asked me to go to lunch. And I went to lunch with him. He pulled up in a brand new Mercedes, $80,000 car, Yeah, paid cash for it. I'm like, how did you get the car? And he's like- This is like a friend of yours from Just a friend of mine from high school, yeah. So you were, so while you were in the military, he was obviously doing something Well, yeah. When, when we, once we got out of high school, um, 
I think he actually went to college. And while he was in college, he met a mortgage guy that got mm. him into real estate. So anyway, he flipped a house, made 80 grand, bought this car. Gotcha. Pulls up at lunch in this brand new car. I said, how did you get it? And he said, I flipped a house. And I'm like, how did you do that? You don't have that kind of money yeah. to go invest in real estate. And he's like, oh no, there's this thing called creative real estate. Different. And he literally penciled it out on a napkin, this concept of wholesaling, yeah. which to me was super foreign because at the time I thought you needed a real estate license or deep pockets or a good mm-hmm. credit score, that kind of stuff. And he's telling me that there's this other world of real estate. Yeah. And uh, I kind of, I didn't believe him. I thought it was a scam. Yeah. And I was like, dude, right. you're full of crap. No way. But I took the napkin mm. with me. And over the next week or two, I just kind of kept glancing at it, stewing over it, trying to think like, why does nobody teach you this stuff? How do I not know that this exists? Right. And so then this is pre, you know, YouTube university and all that right. stuff. Right. Um, if you wanted to learn real estate, you either went to a seminar or a workshop or something like that. There was very limited information online. There were some <laughs> forums and stuff, but it wasn't like it is today. Yeah. No social media. Right. Not easy to ask, ask questions. This was... What, what 2002 okay got ish got yeah 2002 2003 and so i uh i started going down this real estate educational rabbit hole by flying all over the country i would i would either borrow money from my dad or put on my credit card and i would go to these seminars and workshops and i would learn you know these concepts of creative real estate mm-hmm. wholesaling rehabbing seller financing you know all these there's a million ways yeah. to buy a house that doesn't require your money. You can yeah. use other people's money or um, the seller that owns the house can carry back the, the paper. And so I started learning about all this stuff and I started getting really excited, but it was almost like information overload. My mm. first year sucked because I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to actually go out and do, like I would literally go page one, read it, and then I'd try to go do it. Okay, gotcha. By the time I got to page eight, I was so confused. I'm like, why does yeah. page seven not lead to page eight? And then it's not like linear. Like, right. it didn't work like that. And so it took me nine months of me trying to get a deal. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't, nothing happened. Yeah. And by then I was probably about 30 grand in credit card debt. I probably went to 25 or 30 seminars. Yeah. I was just fed up. And uh, one day I had a deal. I almost had a deal at the finish line. It was the last day before the deal was supposed to close. The deal fell apart. And I remember being so defeated that I was like, all right, real estate's not for me. This yeah. isn't going to work. And I, I threw in the towel and um, I filled out a resume to get a job as a bookkeeper because I needed to pay my credit card bills, which were now due. Right. And uh, I went and got a job as a bookkeeper. And that was what you had gone to school for, to college? No, for? I was going to school for finance. Okay. Bookkeeping was kind of in the wheelhouse, but, I mean, nobody wants to grow up and be a bookkeeper, really, you know? <laughs> Maybe an accountant. But nobody's, yeah. well, I don't want to say yeah. that. Sorry, bookkeepers, if you're <laughs> yeah. listening or watching this. Um, but it that definitely, I wasn't good at math. Yeah. I wasn't, yeah. I actually, it wasn't what you were supposed to do. I actually do. lied on my resume. Oh, okay. I gotcha. lied on my resume, and it, they, the guy said, I need a bookkeeper, and then you need to start immediately. And then when I went for the interview, he said, do you have any bookkeeping experience? And I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then I went, <laughs> at, he said, you're hired. You start tomorrow. And so I left, and I went to the bookstore, and I bought bookkeeping for dummies. <laughs> and I read it all that night. <laughs> I had to get a job. Oh, I had to right. make money. And right. um, so that lasted like three to four months. Okay. And uh, interesting thing, I got a job as a bookkeeper for a local real estate developer. Hmm. And so I was 
that was my way of quitting, but not quitting. Yeah, right. And so I was like in the in in the business, but I was watching the amount of money he was making because mm. I'm running his books. Yeah, and uh, I was getting more pissed off every single day, sitting in traffic. I literally had a cubicle. It was the typical like <laughs> right. nightmare scenario. The story, yeah, yeah. And uh, about four months into it, I'm complaining every single day to my wife Shannon, who was my girlfriend at the time, and. Around that time, I had a good friend named Zach Bali, and he said, hey, I'm going to this real estate seminar in San Francisco. You want to go? And I'm like, nope, not happening. No. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I shut it down, and him and my wife kind of tag-teamed me, and she was saying, you're so miserable. Yeah. Every day you're complaining. You're, you're acting like a total loser right now. You're giving up, and I don't mind you like going to get a job and doing whatever you got to do, but don't complain about it if you're going to do right. be a book, Be a great bookkeeper. Or go or do something, different. Or go do something right. different. And uh, so they kind of twisted my arm and said, look, it's, if you just think of it as nothing more than a vacation with your good friend, just go do it. And Zach was promising me, this is different than anything you've ever seen. And I've heard that a few times, but I was like, okay, I love Zach. Let's go do this. And I showed up in this seminar put on by a guy who has recently, well, not recently, probably eight, nine years ago, passed away. His name was Jack Miller. Hmm. And if you look up Jack or if you ever knew of Jack Miller, he was one of the kind of grandfathers of the creative real estate model. Okay. And he, he, I went into this room. There was about 300 or 400 people in this room. And all the people I bought courses from were in the audience frantically taking notes. Mm. And I remember I walked in and it instantly felt different. And mm. I was like, oh, this, is, this is different. Yeah. Maybe this is what I was looking for all the power players in there. And Jack was up at the podium telling the greatest war stories and showing you how to slice and dice income streams and create money out of nowhere and be resourceful. And uh, after the first day, I went on break and I went to um, the bar to get some food. And that's where I met my first mentor. His name was Lyle. Hmm. Lyle was probably 70 years old at the time. And we were talking at the bar and we just hit it off. And he was a real estate OG. Had... I don't even know how many tens of millions of dollars in his self-directed Roth, all created from nothing, all creative real estate deals Hmm. over like a 40-year period. And he literally had Adidas sweatpants pulled up to like his nipples. (laughs) He was all wrinkly and like disheveled, but wearing the big old man Velcro shoes, shuffling around. But he was hilarious and he was just exactly what I needed at the time because he taught me things that you can't learn in books. Hmm. And sometimes going down, and I'm in, in the education business, I think there's certain things you could do by yourself through self-education and watching videos or listening to audiobooks and that kind of stuff. And there's certain things that you just have to learn on the job yeah. or from people that have been there and done that. And totally. he taught me those kind of things. And I remember we would, he had this little rickety whiteboard and we would sit there for hours and he would just show me different ways, called it transactional engineering. And teach me different ways to approach a seller and a buyer to put deals together in the most creative ways so that way, everybody walks away feeling like a winner, but you're finding these little hidden profit centers in a deal that most people don't see. Yeah. And when I started looking through that lens and he just worked with me, I got to my first deal and it happened pretty quickly. Like within two months, I got a, I got a big deal. Yeah. And it was for $40,000. It was the first deal I ever did. And that was more money that I would have made as an entire year as a bookkeeper. Wow. And I remember all that fight for nine months, then quitting, then going back at it, then going to this seminar, then getting this mentor, and then finally having a breakthrough. And I remember standing at the bank getting ready to deposit this check. 
This was forty thousand dollars in profit. Prof, profit. Okay. And I remember thinking, this is going to change my life. Like this is that moment I've been waiting for—a yeah. sign, a path. A, and um, when when you go through that evolution and it becomes real, and internally you internalize it and you go, okay, I could do this for my life. And I realized I could do this time and time again. Yeah. And this was my pathway to creating the money that I needed to be able to go buy the real estate that I actually dreamed of owning someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I cashed that check and I did three things immediately. I bought my wife a ring because I knew if I didn't propose, I was going to lose like one of the greatest things that ever happened. And she deserved it. She put up with a lot. <laughs> I quit my job as a bookkeeper, right? Um, I actually did four things. I gave some money to my parents, mm. which, you know, supporting me in just, yeah. they, they needed some money at the time. And so I felt so great being able to support them back. Right. And then the fourth thing was something for me. And I think anybody who is fighting hard for their dreams that's listening to this, it's so easy to get caught up in just like setting a goal, going after it, hitting the goal, and then immediately setting a new goal and going after that and immediately setting a new goal. And you almost forget to celebrate along the way because as entrepreneurs, we're always wanting more. Right. Especially when you can compare yourself to all the Instagram people, you know, and easily look at somebody who's like, Oh, they're doing better than I am. So you diminish your own accomplishments. Today, it's probably harder than ever. Yeah. Seeing yeah. other people's walls and their lifestyles. Yeah. Their highlight reels on their social media. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for me, what was important to me, um, I wasn't thinking about like mansions and jets and all that stuff. For me at the time, I just wanted to sleep well mm. because for so long, I was stressed out financially. And when you're stressed out financially, you don't like, I couldn't sleep. My wheels were spinning constantly about my credit card debt and just these fears of like, oh man, my friends already think I'm nuts. My parents have told me now 40 times why this is the worst idea in the world and I need to just focus on college and focus on getting a job. And, uh, you know, I'm losing friendships over all of this and I wasn't sleeping. And so I went straight to the bed store and I bought the most expensive Tempur-Pedic mattress that I could afford. And it was literally up on a thing spinning around with lights on it. And I'm like, yeah, I want that one. And I still have that bed to this day. Um, It was the California King and it was amazing. And uh, I remember thinking, this is for me. I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight. And it was a gift that I bought myself. And so that's awesome. uh, uh, Obviously after that happened, the, the distance between deal zero and deal one, having to go through that learning curve was a lot longer than the distance between deal one and two. It, everything started to condense. And two and ten. And, and two and yeah, ten. Right, and then right. it just, what all those seeds you're planting, all those relationships, all those trial and errors. I've had partnerships fall apart and I've gotten sued and I've sued people and like just all this experience that you learn through doing yeah. deals and becoming a deal maker uh, makes it to where uh, obviously I upped my goals mm-hmm. and I went from just wanting to make $3,000 a month and being able to quit my job as a bookkeeper and just being able to do real estate full time. I remember getting to a point where I was making 10 grand a month, wholesaling houses. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, I don't know, this sounds kind of crazy, but could I do 25 grand a month? Right. And then you hit that and then it's like 50, yeah. 100. Right. And then, you know, your, your thing starts to scale. But I did something that was really smart. And my mentor forced me to do this is I used my wholesale profits to fund my real estate acquisitions. Hmm. So if you're listening to this and you want to become a real estate millionaire, you're not that far off. And if you think about it like this, 
um, wholesaling, if you've never heard of it, it's the purest form of the no money down deal. It's basically finding homeowners or houses that are distressed. And there's, if you look down the uh, average American street right now, 90% of the houses and the owners that own them ha- those houses, they're not motivated to sell at a discount. Yeah. They're not going to. Like, if you're not motivated, you're not going to sell yeah. at a discount. But there's like 10% on any street that's motivated, going through a divorce, had a death in the family, lost their job, being relocated, medical issues, legal issues, foundational issues, fire, flood, you know, right. the house is old and ugly. It's the one on the street that has a flat roof where every other one's pitched roof. Right. Some functional obsolescence, something is going on with the, the property. Those are the types of deals I go after. Yeah. And if you are good at marketing, especially nowadays with social media, it's not that difficult to find free or cheap avenues to get out in front of these types of people and get this message that, hey, if you want cash and you want to close quickly, we can help you. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll show up, we'll work out a deal, we'll put their house under contract. And what most people don't understand is with creative real estate, it's not like traditional real estate where you either hire a real estate agent or you get your license and that's how you make money buying and selling properties for other people. With creative real estate, we're we're creating the profits by providing a service for other real estate investors. Mm. Um, and so... Um, once you put a house under contract, what's interesting is you have um, what's called equitable rights in the property. And all that means is per the contract, you have certain rights to that property. Just like if you sign a contract to rent somebody's property, you mm. now have the right to use the property. Mm. Well, if I go to buy your house and I fill out a contract, let's say it's worth 200000 but I agree to buy it for one fifty, mm. And you say, okay. And I say, we'll close in 20 days. Mm-hmm. Well, during that 20-day period, I kind of control your real estate because technically you shouldn't be able to go sell it to somebody else, right? right? right. And so during that 20 days, I kind of have this window to go and shop that paperwork around town to see if anybody else wants to step into my shoes and get it. And this that's the concept of wholesaling is being a real, a real estate middleman yeah, or right. matchmaker. And so when I once I, I kind of thought of it like, okay, how many of these types of deals where I'm just, I find a seller, I negotiate, I put their house under contract, I find a cash buyer, which is a landlord or a rehabber, and I find them and I just put deals together. And I'm on in 2019, my average wholesale fee was $11,202, right? So think about this. Just try to, I'm gonna try and get these numbers off the top of my head, but think about this. Let's say you wanna become a real estate millionaire in 2020. Yeah. Okay, how do we do that? Well, if I'm making on average, let's just say $10,000 per wholesale flip, mm-hmm. how much real estate do we, how many wholesale deals do I need to do in order to buy real estate to become a real estate millionaire? So let's just work backwards. Let's say you have a house that you could buy for $200,000, but you could buy it for one fifty. dollars right? Needs work. There's lots of these deals out there. Yeah. Okay. If I go to a bank to buy a house for one fifty, I need 20% down, which is $30,000. All right. So if I'm making 10 grand per wholesale flip, how many wholesale deals do I need to do to get the 30 grand to put the down payment to buy the one house? Three. I got to do three. And so that's how simple I started thinking of it. Okay. I got to flip three houses real quick, take those profits, go over, put them as a down payment to buy that $200,000 house for 150. Now, what do I have? I have a $200,000 house for 150, but I put 30 grand down. So I have $80,000 in equity in that property. Yeah. 
So I turned 30 into 80 of value immediately, immediately just by that trade-off. Then what else do I have? I now maybe fix it up. Maybe I don't. And I put a tenant in there. And let's say I rent it out for 1,500 bucks a month, right? Well, now I'm getting $18,000 a year in cash flow, Hmm. right? Now I probably have a mortgage that I got to pay off and, and different stuff, but like I'm getting a certain amount of cash flow coming in. Plus, mm. I have depreciation. Plus, I can write off expenses. There's all this value of owning real estate. Well, if I do five of those houses in the course of a year, I now have a million dollars worth of real estate mm. off of 15 wholesale right, deals. Right. So I turned 150 grand into a million dollars worth of real estate, $400,000 in equity, plus constant cash flow and massive tax benefits. Yeah. Sign Boom. <laughs> yeah. It, it, all yeah. of a sudden, the light bulb yeah. went off, and I was like, I could do this right, because right. I could do this over here. And this was the gateway to get me totally. Here. Number one was the most magical moment, realizing, right? Like understanding like, oh my goodness, this is actually doable. You know, it's not just, it's not just a concept anymore. I'm not seeing some dude on stage talk about it. And, I actually cashed a check. And that was, and my first deal was 40 grand. Yeah. So I didn't even have to do three deals. Yeah, I could have done right, one deal. Right. My biggest wholesale fee in 2019 was $65,000. Wow. For, for three hours That's worth of work. Crazy. And I'm not saying you're going to do that because yeah, like yeah. most people yeah. don't. Proper like, expectations. Yeah, <laughs> most people screw right. it all up or right. do like what I did initially, which was quit. Yeah, right, like, right. Nine months. Imagine going after a goal for nine months while everybody thinks you're absolutely insane. Right. And you're running out of money and you're going into yeah. credit card debt. And that's the crazy part too is that's why I asked to make sure that it was like the profit on the deal because you were $30,000 in credit card debt. Your first deal was more than enough to get you out of debt Oh, yeah. And get you into your next deal. Oh, yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters. Is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Yeah, so I got my real estate license right when I um, got that first house. And During I was still in school. Still, okay. yeah, yeah, I was still in school. So um, I made zero sales in my first six months as an agent. Hmm. My only sale was the house I bought. <laughs> <laughs> um, made a sale and realized I needed the training and I, I really need to let myself be held accountable. I was just kind of hoping someone would buy a house with, with me. And the market was tough back then. Sure. Um, switched to a brokerage where the personal development, the training was amazing. Did 16 deals my next six months. Nice. Made like 80 grand. Realized I was losing a lot of money by staying in school. I think I have four classes, five classes left to get my bachelor's in construction management. But I took a break. I, did, I didn't quit. Yeah. I will get my bachelor's someday. Um, but then I, I really focused in on learning how to become a great salesperson. Okay. And then that transitioned into, okay, I can sell a lot of real estate, but how do I take care of people? Hmm. And I realized I hit a brick wall in my sales career where my, my shortcoming was I didn't take care of my clients. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a few years and, and uh, grew and, and it's been awesome. Yeah, that's gotta be one of the most saturated industries in the country. It's, it's crazy. Um, how many people are licensed yeah. Uh, uh, realtors. So how did you jump in being that young and skyrocket up to a seven figure income? And and for everybody listening, just for context, this isn't seven figures in like, you know, product being moved and in, in, in gross sales. Like this is seven figures in commissions yeah. on real estate transactions. And to be able to do that, like I said, at, at that young of an age is, is no small task, especially in an industry that is insanely saturated. Yeah. Um, so what were, what do you think the top, you know, one or two things that you did differently than what other people did that allowed you to, you know, top that list? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I hired a coach, okay. you know, LeBron has multiple coaches mm -hmm. and spends over a million dollars a year just on health. Michael just Jordan had health. Tim Grover. That was yeah. one of his, he paid Tim Grover to only coach Michael Jordan. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, really? But Michael and Tim's agreement was, Tim, you cannot Exclusive. train yeah. anybody else while I'm an active, yeah. active in the NBA. Um, so anyway, so hired a coach, and that is by far the thing that has helped me the most is a coach that didn't tell me, hey, go do some social media posts. Mm -hmm. Go do, you know, go um, sit and, and answer the phones and hope that someone comes to you. He taught me, hey, look at your numbers. It's a numbers game. Call more people, talk to more people. Still do the social media posts because that's important. But I learned how to create a repeatable and predictable business. Mike Ferry Coaching is, is by far, if you want to work hard, the best thing for real estate agents. And I Im increased my income by 50 grand a year by doing that wow. for five years in a row. And then I made a huge jump where I, I more than doubled my income that in 2018. Hmm. What do you think that was um, for? I learned how to talk investments. Gotcha. And I learned how to work with investors. I connected with a really good group, a really good business plan, um, business model, selling fourplexes and, and listed some big projects. And, but it was really taking care of people and learning how to understand and talk investments. Most realtors don't have a clue how to predict it or calculate a cap rate and, right. and understand investments. And it's, it's, it's actually crazy to me how insanely separated the two things are. Yeah. Like being a real estate agent and being a real estate investor. There's so many people that are agents that, like you said, zero clue yeah. on what 
what the investment side is. You know, those are the same people that are telling you to buy when the market's at the top. Yep. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, it's a great time to buy. It's a great time to buy. It's a great it's investment. Like, buy it. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not a great yeah. time. <laughs> Even among commercial brokers, I mean, here's the crazy thing as I'm getting more and more into commercial, there's brokers sending me deals. Hey, this is a great deal. Buy it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it, it's not. So what I learned, um, I would say the second thing, going back to our story, what I really learned is become an absolute expert and be honest about the field that you're in. Hmm. And so I would say, hey, I'm right, Mr. Investor, do not buy this deal. Yeah. And I will get more business from saying that than trying to pitch you a good deal. Yeah. When I say, hey, I've got this deal for you, but to be honest, I probably wouldn't buy it. Yeah. Let's keep looking around. Let's let's be patient and find you a good deal. Yeah. So I became an absolute expert in the investment field and made sure that I wasn't fudging the numbers and, and I was sure. honest with people. What were the top few tasks that you did to make sure that you were an expert in the investment field? Um, just education. Immersed my, I paid a lot of money for coaching, spent a ton of time running cap rates, YouTube, just looking, at deals. looking at deals, talking with commercial brokers, spending time with big time investors. Yeah. Um, I made it my mission in life to not just understand investments, but be an expert and do whatever it took to be in the top 1% in that field, knowledge-wise. Sure. So it seems like every time you do something, a new venture, a new you know goal or dream, it seems like you go straight to, let me find somebody who's mm-hmm. already done what I want to do, and let me get around that person and spend as much time with them as I can, right? That's, that's, pretty, that's what I'm hearing throughout the entire story we've been talking about. Life is just monkey see, monkey do. There's always someone that can show you how to do what Nothing you want. Nothing new do. under the sun. Yeah. No. I mean, that's every, everything that we teach here on the show is, is exactly that. Like, if you want to be good at something, if you want to be the best at something, then go get around the people that are doing it the mm-hmm. best and just spend as much time with you possibly can. Like, yeah. even if you can't, if, let's say they don't even, let's say they don't even offer coaching, they don't offer mentorship, they don't do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just getting around them. Here's a story just for you. Listening to the conversations, everything makes you makes you start going that going down that path. Absolutely. I'm I'm an introvert. I, I don't love I hate group scenarios. I love one on one, hate group situations. I go to these trainings here in Vegas with the Mike Ferry group, and there's these quote unquote superstars mm-hmm. making a million, two million, five million a year, hugely successful agents. I could not bring myself to go talk to them at first. I was way too scared. Mm-hmm and nervous and just unconfident. But I wanted it so bad, I, I started going up to them at the breaks and, and it became easier. They're always super nice. And, and, and so yeah, I started just asking them questions and they'd ask me questions back and, and I would learn just amazing tips. Um, and just the exposure to these guys. So one of the cool stories is eight years ago, I went up to this guy named Michael and he said, what the hell are you doing with your time? He's like, you're doing 30 deals? So do you like sit in bed at home and just sleep half the day? Like you're making how many calls a day? And I'm like, yeah, I need to get a lot more disciplined, don't I? Now he's one of my business partners. That's fine. And we'll probably buy $20, $30 million in properties together this year. But I was so scared to go talk with him. And he was the nicest guy about it. Right. But he, 
but just absolutely changed my my life and well, and, and, uh, and that, but that's the kind of advice you need to hear yeah right because yeah. the the problem is everybody looks for advice in the wrong places yeah. like they'll go to somebody who's also doing 30 deals a year or uh-huh. how many did you say 40 50 30, 30. Yeah. yeah so if you still go to somebody who's also making 30 deals do, doing 30 deals a year or they'll go to the guy that's doing 50 deals a year and be like hey you're ahead of me how do i get to 50 deals right. a year and it's like no no, no. we want to think about how can you get to three, 30 deals to 100 deals right. a year? Like, we want to make a jump here. And hearing tough love for somebody like that, that's just like, man, 30 deals? What do you do with your time? Like, yeah. it clearly just means that, like— And he's doing his, 150. Yeah, and, and his his advice would, would be centered around the fact that, like, well, you're clearly just not working enough. Right. Like, the, if that's the volume that you have, I know this business well enough to understand that the main thing that you need to do is just work more. Right. Like, that's it. It's cut, clear, it's simple. Yep. But when you talk to somebody who hasn't walked that path, they don't know the ins and outs of the industry. They can't see the blimp view. They're in the weeds with you. Right. So how did how can you expect to get advice that's actually going to be worth a damn when you're getting it from somebody who's like following you through the weeds? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it, it's mind blowing that we don't think about it. It's right. just like second nature to go to like your mom or dad. They may love you and they may have great intentions for your life and they may be good at what they do. But if it's not the thing that you're trying to do, then the advice that they take that they give you has to be taken with a grain of salt. Absolutely. You can't just trust it and do what they say because they love you. Like Absolutely. love doesn't equal good advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a really good point. And usually it's bad advice. Uh, oftentimes usually it's the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Because they know they don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. So get around people. And they want that- you to be safe. Yeah. yeah. Get around people that are okay being honest to you. Yeah. yeah. Or with you. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to this episode. That's it for today. As you all know, this show is completely free. Our only ask is that if you found anything valuable in this episode or in any of the episodes that you've listened to, then share it with somebody else and leave us a quick rating review in whatever platform you're listening to right now. It would be super, super helpful for us. Uh, So that's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Catch you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.